Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Consider somebody in your life that is not, they're not saved, maybe because they believe the wrong thing. They're either not saved because they don't believe the right thing, or they believe the wrong thing, or both, because they kind of go to hand in hand. Someone that you haven't talked to, or you've been afraid to talk to, or you've held back from going all the way because you're scared. I'm challenging you this week to love God more and to love yourself less, to, to worry less about yourself and how you'll do and what they'll think of you, what might happen to your relationship with them, to worry more about their relationship with the Lord and what could be, and go ahead and share with them. Doesn't it feel good to be right? Unfortunately, we all know that this is impossible all the time. None of us are perfect and we can't be right all the time. Today, Pastor Bill explains that you need to stop trying to be perfect and let God lead your life. Put your faith in God and know that every decision He makes for you is perfect. It doesn't matter how sideways your life may be or even if it's all unraveling. He will never abandon you and is working everything for your good. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Titus chapter 1 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. We want to be ministering at home. Want to have our kids. How do you get your kids in order? You just have discipline in, in place. Um, some parents won't follow the biblical model for discipline. Um, I'm going to just use the naughty carpet. I'm going to put them in timeout. That don't work, just so you know. God ain't say put them on the naughty carpet and give them a timeout. Anybody doing that, you just do, do that long enough, and you'll, they, they, that's, that's not discipline. Ain't no kid scared of the naughty carpet. Ain't, no, ain't nobody scared of timeout with video games, iPods, and whatnots in their room. When God says discipline the kids, it says, look, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from them. I'm not an advocate for being angry with your kids, for abusing your kids, but there is a biblical model for discipline. And if you observe it, it'll be evident in the lives of your kids that there's discipline. They won't make them perfect. It won't make them godly, but they'll be obedient. They'll, you'll have voice command. You can say, come here. Uh, whenever I see a parent say, come here. No, he don't get whooped. Test bottom, boom. He doesn't know what a spanking is. That, or you would never do it. When a parent, when a, when a five-year-old can tell mom, no, I know that, mom, that there's no spankings. There's no discipline. So take five and multiply that by 10. What's that going to look like at 15? Be a handful. Be a handful. So God said, pastor, got to manage home. And I just think for Christians in general, you got to be managing home. You can't let your kids win that war. And this is why it's so important. I, I want to say this. If... My kids learn rebellion, right? If they learn that they're able to impose their will and rebel, if I don't break them of that through discipline, it's going to damage their ability to walk with God because the very thing that you need to do in your walk with God, you got to submit to someone telling you what you don't want to do. Um, it's submitting to God. This, anybody here is a Christian, when you submit to God, many times you're being told to do things you don't want to do. Um, you're being told not to do what you do want to do, but you submit to the Lord. But if you learn rebellion, which is I just do what I want, if you've been doing that your whole life, it's going to be difficult. You're making it difficult for them to, to, to make the merger over to walk with the Lord. There's going to be consequences, right? Um, it's not really preparing them. A child without discipline, they haven't really been trained up in the way they should go because nobody else is going to give them that kind of free ride. School ain't going to put up with it. They're going to be kicked out. And when they get to be an adult, the world is not going to put up with it. Let them go to work and say no. Goodbye. <laughs> you uh, goodbye. You, you, you be uh, you be you know they be having to get a uh, whatever you know the, whatever you get when you don't have a job they have to get one of them you know so so again he disciplines his kids there's order in the home then verse seven 
For a bishop, again, must be blameless as a steward of God, again, not being able to be blamed. And so that would just cancel out a lot of these guys that have been, you know, publicized for their open sin and disobedience. Not self-willed, uh, not somebody that's just just uh, just self-willed, doing what they want. Uh, again, like Paul said earlier, he's a bond servant, not self-willed, but his will is altogether consumed in the will of God, surrendered to his will. Not quick-tempered. A pastor can't be a guy that's out there slugging with folks. Um, you know, if, if, you can't be a, a quick tempered, angry man if you're going to be a pastor. And um, again, I can't have a hot head. So I don't know. I've, I've actually met I've met a lot of real gracious, gentle men that were in the position of pastor. But I've also seen guys that seem like you seem a little angry to be a shepherd. You know, like you, you be dealing with God's little sheep. You got a little you can't be hot tempered, says not given to wine. You can't be an alcoholic, can't be addicted to alcohol. And y'all know what I tell you. What's the only way to guarantee that you'll never be addicted to alcohol? Don't drink it because it's addictive. So a lot of people are like, well, I'm going to exercise my liberty to drink. Well, you could do that. But by the time you realize it's a problem, guess what? It's a problem. So I, I need to not be given the wine. I can't be addicted to alcohol. My guarantee, because I used to drink and I used to be addicted to alcohol. Um, the Lord delivered me, right? My only guarantee against never being addicted again is just don't touch it. So I don't touch it. What's the only guarantee against being addicted to crack? Don't ever smoke it. Never smoke crack. I'll never be addicted to crack. Same is true with alcohol. Wisdom would say, right? Um, though I could, should I? Right? I got a liberty as a pastor. I could have a beer. But should I have a beer? I don't think I should have a beer. Um, I don't think I should drink. And again, it's, it's, it's my safeguard. It's me saying I, I, I value what God has done in my life. I value what I get to do. I don't want to gamble that for a drink. I'll have a soda. I have a Perrier if I want a burp, you know, uh, but I don't need a beer. So that's off the menu. So not addicted to wine, not violent. Again, it's not a the characteristic of a pastor. It's not a violent man, not somebody that you're afraid of. Um, people shouldn't be afraid of the pastor. Um, and I, I got to tell you how this checked me uh, two weeks ago. Um, you guys know recently my family moved and in the process of us moving, somebody had to keep our dogs um, the Rispers kept my daughter's dog, so we got him back safe and sound. But my big German Shepherd, me and BJ's dog, we left it with a guy. And long story short, this guy got my dog killed and then went to jail. So he got my money and my dog and didn't tell me the truth about what happened. Someone else told me what happened. I'm not going to lie. I was a little troubled, a little stumbled, a little bothered, a lot bothered. I love my dog. My dog is gone. I don't get my dog back. I told my, I told my son and he started crying. That that's hard. You make my son cry. I feel like I ought to knock all your teeth out and pray for you or make him grow back. <laughs> so I was like, well, you know what? It's good for me. The guy's in jail. I got time to get right with the Lord and just not deal with it. So I just had let it go. He got out of jail, called me, told me, oh, the dog didn't actually die. Man, it's over at this house. I go over to this house, get sweated by some gangbangers. And I'm like, you set me up. I think he said, I, 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 it was in hindsight as I went to this house and I'm like, Dudes came and they said whatever they had to say. I think just because I was bigger than them, it didn't go down. But I'm like, you set me up. You sent me the dogs was not there, but them gangbangers were sure there. And I'm like, you, you. so I'm now I'm like, okay, I just need to let it go, not deal with this guy. So my dad calls one day and said, hey man, I just saw him at the park. Word, <laughs> word, <laughs> right now, right, 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 right now. So I I get in my car. I, I'm just gonna be. I'm telling you, I drove over to the park. I got to the park and I saw him at the park and I said. I better. I, I, this is my accountability partner is my buddy Ray Dash from New Jersey. Anybody you guys that know him can call him and ask him. I call Ray Dash. I'm like, hey, I'm sitting at the park. I'm looking at this fool right now. I said, I need to go confront him about my dog and my five hundred dollars. 
but I'm the pastor and I can't, I can't go knock him out. You know, I say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to submit to whatever you tell me right now. I'm, I'm making myself accountable. And so he talked with me, prayed that basically if you can walk over, have the conversation with your hands in your pocket uh, without saying, basically, you can go have this conversation without saying something you shouldn't say, without threatening the man and without touching the man. Then go on and ask him what's going on. If not, you need to go on and drive away. So he said, you know, I'm pray, pray with me. And then um, I had to leave my phone in my pocket and go ahead. <laughs> I did. I went over and had the conversation. I had to let him know how it went, you know, right afterwards or whatever. And, and I didn't. I, I had to call. I had to talk. And this is how it ended. Once I got over there and the guy was like, blah, 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 lie, 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 lie. Right. If I wasn't saved, then I could. There's a whole lot of resources I could pull. I said, man, look, if you don't give my money, I'm going to sock you up. If you don't. If you, if I, but you can't do none of that as a Christian. You can't say I can't. I can't threaten them. I can't say, well, if you don't, then I'm going to. If you don't give me my, I'm gonna pray for you. You know, there's, there's, it's all the gas is taken out of my tank. So I talked to the man, and it was like, okay, it ended, you know, and it's over. And I'm not gonna get my money back, and I'm not gonna get my dog back. And he told me, you know, I'll have your money for you next Friday, and they just didn't take my calls no more. And now it's like, well, you can't do nothing because again, I'm, I'm looking at this saying, you can't be hitting people. Would it be nice to hit somebody sometimes? It would be nice, it would, I, but you can't. So. This part of the character, and I, I, I'm sharing this with y'all that this, it checked me where it's like, you can't, you can't do that, right? And I, just for, if you're a Christian, the same is true. There's some things that you just can't do no more. You're going to take some L's and some losses. You're going to be taken advantage of. And this is what always comes back to. I, I may feel like I've been taken advantage of, but, but then I've taken advantage of Jesus way more. You know, what it cost Jesus to do what he did for me cost me way more. And if I got to die to that, you know, I got to die to that. We got a new dog already anyway. And and honestly, I was thinking if the dog was alive and we got him now, I don't think it'll work out because I don't think he'll get along with the new dog. And it'd be, you know, so it just worked out. It is what it is. I ain't got the dog no more. But I just, y'all, I didn't hit the dude and I didn't threaten the guy by God's grace. So y'all, I think with my accountability partners, I need one. Uh, just, there are certain moments where I know like, right now I need to make myself accountable. Um, and so everybody here should have people in your life that you know will hold you accountable. So he's not violent, not greedy for money. So look, wouldn't that cancel out all these TV guys that all they talk about is money? If a, if a pastor can't be greedy for money, if that's one of the, if that's one of the stated qualifiers for the guys that are going to be raised up as elders and pastors, he can't be greedy for money, then wouldn't a guy that's talking about money eight sermons out of ten be disqualified? Wouldn't a guy that's saying, you know, I mean, you got to do five laps and a mini sermonette on your tithes and offering every single Sunday. Wouldn't he be out of the loop? He would be for me. So we just shouldn't submit to that. Right. Um, Not greedy for money, not begging for your money. It's a qualifier. It says, but hospitable. Um, That's, again, a characteristic of the pastor, a lover of what is good, um, sober minded. So he's not schizophrenic. He's not crazy. He's sober minded. There's some stability. Sorry, he's just a fair person, holy and not in a perfected way, but holy in the fact that his life is set apart for the Lord. Self-controlled. He exercises some self-control, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught. And this is a qualifier, right? This is another one that would disqualify a lot of things that we see. He's holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that they may be able by sound doctrine, both to exhort and convict those who contradict. So one of the things that pastors call to one of your main jobs as a pastor is to feed the sheep, to minister the word of God. So a pastor needs to be a man that's devoted himself to knowing it and to sharing it truthfully. Um, sound doctrine. This is not a guy that you find, again, a, 
a lot of false doctrine, a lot of wrong teachings, a lot of things that don't line up with scripture. It's a guy that's committed his life to the word of God and he's preaching sound doctrine. So again, there, there are pastors right now that have decided there, there are parts of the Bible I won't preach. There are topics that I won't touch. There are things that I won't say. There are pastors that won't tell someone that they're going to hell. That's messed up. Some people get saved because they recognize that they were going to hell. That's how I got saved. So imagine the pastor, you say, you know, I just I just don't like that. I don't like talking about that topic. So I'm just not going to tell people that they're going to hell. Is he faithful to the word? No. And so uh, I don't get to pick and choose. Um, if I did, there are things that I wouldn't cover. But that's why I take every book and go all the way through it. For you guys that are with us on Thursday nights as we're going through Leviticus, we have covered some stuff in Leviticus that I guarantee you, if I was a topical teaching guy, I would not have picked it out. There was a whole chapter that with body fluid uh, stuff, you know, just <laughs> stuff that, again, if, if, if I would have just said, I'm, I'm skipping Leviticus 15. Y'all read it at home, in private, tell the kids to get out. Um, but it was in there, so we had to teach it, and we had to look at it. And I believe that because it's all inspired by God, um, there's something in every part for every Christian. I love the one quote that says, it takes a whole Christian, no, it takes a whole Bible to make a whole Christian. Um, so pastors faithful to the word that he may be with sound doctrine, both to exhort and to convict those who contradict verse 10. And for there are many insubordinate and idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision. And so he's saying now this is what Timothy, this is what Titus is up against. Um, they're in the, within the Jewish group there. There's people there that believe the wrong things that are teaching the wrong things. Um, it's a very kind of legalistic belief. They said you got to believe in Jesus and some of our Jewish customs, men got to be circumcised still. Um, you got to uh, adhere to these other things. And they were adding to the gospel. And so Titus was going to have to go in and correct the things that these men were saying. Um, it says they were insubordinate. That means they were unsubmissive men. They were idle talkers, meaning they were running their mouth a lot about the wrong things. And they were deceivers. Um, they're tricking people. They're deceiving people, um, telling people things that are not true. And especially those of the circumcision, especially those that these Jewish, these Judaizers that are coming through. Verse 11, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. So this had me, honestly, as I prepared this chapter and I looked over this, it had me rethink my position and my attitude towards the cults. Um, when I look at the Jehovah's Witnesses and I see them out there talking, I look at people, I run to people at Starbucks that are part of cults and they're talking to people. This is my commitment now and I encourage you to say, if you have the opportunity to, to, to intrude on some false teacher teaching false things, uh, if you have the opportunity to go behind the Jehovah's Witnesses and say, man, everything they told you is a lie, let me tell you the truth. If you have the opportunity when you're somewhere and you see somebody with something that's not true or they've added to the gospel, just, just interrupting it, you ought to do it. Um, it said that they've subverted, they, they've got whole households believing the wrong thing. It's a big deal. And Paul tells Titus, they must be stopped. Their mouths must be stopped. You can't sock them in the mouth because you can't be a striker. So how you shut their mouth with the truth? You got to go tell the truth. That means it, it, we're not looking for an opportunity to be combative, but sometimes you got to be combative. Um, sometimes you gotta, you gotta like, you gotta stand your ground and, and go toe to toe with somebody on the word. That's sometimes what we gotta do. It's uncomfortable, right? But I've seen it be super fruitful. I shared with you guys before, one day Clint and I were at a Starbucks 
And there was a guy there. We saw Bibles on the table. I thought, I'm just going to go say what's up to a couple Christians. Whenever I see somebody with a Bible out, I go, hey, what's up, family? Where, where you fellowship at? You know, I fellowship over here. Cool, man. We're from over here. God bless you, man. Enjoy time in the Word. Woo, we're going about our day. We walked over here. Just say what's up. And we realized that this guy is a cult. And he's discipling this guy who, the young guy who's not, you, it looked like he's being discipled into the cult. So it was like, oh, word. The, me and Clint just pulled up a chair. We just invited ourselves into the conversation and started going. And for y'all know how Clint got to get down. We started going. The guy was, that was in charge started saying, well, y'all, y'all, y'all. And Clint was like, nope. You know, just slice him up. And it was like, I was like, go ahead. <laughs> like, it was like watching a fight, you know, like uppercut, you know, hook, slam. Oh, here's, you know, just body blow. It was just tearing him up. And by the time he got done, I kid you not, the guy that was the cult guy, he just got up, he grabbed his little stuff, and he's like, I, like he lost the fight, I'm just leaving, he left. So that guy's name is Joshua, and that day, um, prayed with him, um, he met, made friends on Facebook, he sent probably two or three messages uh, saying, thank you guys so much for that day, for keeping me from, you know, getting looped into the cult. Um, and he's going to a Christian church now, he lives out somewhere in Palmdale, he comes down to Inglewood for work, but he, he, he's been written three different times saying thank you. And I look back and think, you know, we just interrupted. It was it wasn't convenient, but it was effective. You know, somebody was saved from it. So we should be willing to do that. I said their mouths must be stopped teaching things where they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. Their goal is money. It says right here. Verse 12. One of them uh, is a prophet of their own said Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Um, so the people that. He's being called to speak. I know and it's from the Bible. So I don't normally call names, but the Bible, if the Bible calls you a name, then you got to just kind of take it. He says one of their own, uh, one of their own prophets said about these people, the Cretans, that they're always liars. They don't lie. Sometimes they lie all the time. They're always liars, lazy gluttons. That means that they don't work and they, they, they're overindulged. They're always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. And he said this, this testimony is true. These aren't lies. We're not, we're not embellishing about these people. This is the group that God's calling Titus to go meet and minister to. What do we take from that? Hopefully, we're willing to go speak to difficult groups, um, difficult people. Some Christians are looking for the easy, you know, this person looks like it'd be an easy person to talk to. I'll share with them. But Titus didn't get that option. He gets to go talk to the Cretans, the people that are always liars, evil beast, lazy gluttons. I don't want to talk to the evil beast and the lazy gluttons and the always liars, but, but that's not the option, right? That's who needs to hear it. And he's called to go talk to that group. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. And so the goal of rebuking them is that they would come to the truth. They would be sound in the faith. It's not rebuking them so you can be right and they can be wrong. It's rebuking them using the word, hoping that they would come to a knowledge of the truth in the midst of the interaction. Last three verses, verse 14 not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the, those that are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. That's a heavy verse. It says to the pure, all is pure. Anybody got little kids? Everything's pure to them. They don't know nothing yet. They, they just, it's, 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 you, you almost never want, you want them to not grow out of it. How do we keep them there, Right. They just are in a pure state. They don't, they don't, you'll see something and know it's, it's foul. They don't know what's foul about it. You know, they don't understand. And to the pure, all things are pure. Um, but it says, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, 
Nothing's pure. Defiled and unbelieving, everything is filthy. Their own conscience, their own mind and conscience is defiled. Last verse, they profess to know God. So with their mouth, they say they know God, but in works, they deny him. Being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. And so again, this group, they profess to know God, but in their behavior, they deny him. He's speaking of these Jewish people, but may that not be true of any of us that we profess to know God. I know God, I love Jesus. But in your behavior, you deny him. Because I could say, I love the Lord. Anybody could say that. I could say, I believe in Jesus. But in my behavior, in my day-to-day life, in my speech, in my conduct, in what I do, I could deny him. And so he says about these people, they profess to know him, but in works, they deny him. And what's the saying? How they go? Action what? Speak louder than words. So my actions say what I really am, right? I could tell you all day, I love my wife. My actions say I love my wife, not my words. I can say I love my kids. My actions will say that I love my kids. I can say I love the Lord. My actions will say that I love the Lord. My actions will speak louder than my words about every situation all the time. So will yours. This group here, their mouth said I love God, but their work said they don't. It says in works, um, they're disobedient. Uh, they're abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. And so as believers, we want our profession and our behavior, we want them to go together. I want what I say and what I do to go hand in hand. And so as we close this up, I have a challenge for us as a fellowship, as a church, that we wouldn't just hear word, hear message. Say, all right, well, I'm glad Titus was called to go to Crete. Um, Good for him. I'm going to challenge all of us here. We have to do something what we hear. And so the overall thing here, Titus being called to go in a difficult area, area with the gospel and do it anyway and preach the truth. Tell them about the grace. Tell them about the mercy so that they can be at peace with God. And so my challenge to everybody here is, and it's a very specific challenge. I'm not asking you just to share with somebody. I'm asking you to consider someone that is difficult to you. Um, Someone that maybe you haven't shared with because it seems difficult. Maybe someone that you've kind of tried. I said a little something. Some of y'all think y'all witnessed because you said, you want to go to church? I tried. No, it's not trying. You have not shared the gospel. Um, I'm not saying don't invite people to church, but I'm saying that's not sharing. Uh, That's trying to invite them to church so someone else can tell them. My challenge to you is a little different. I'm asking every believer here that we would take what Paul told Titus and that we would take it to heart for ourselves. Consider someone in your life that you love. Hopefully you love everybody in your life. Consider someone in your life that is not, they're not saved, maybe because they believe the wrong thing. They're either not saved because they don't believe the right thing or they believe the wrong thing or both because they kind of go to hand in hand. Someone that you haven't talked to or you've been afraid to talk to or you've held back from going all the way because you're scared. I'm challenging you this week to love God more and to love yourself less, to, to worry less about yourself and how you'll do and what they'll think of you, what might happen to your relationship with them. To worry more about their relationship with the Lord and what could be and go ahead and share with them. And I, I put that out as a challenge. Um, I'm hoping that you guys won't just hear this and go home. Whew, I'm glad he shut up about that. I, I'm asking you that you would really consider that, that, that you would say, God, you know, there are people in my life that need to hear it. God was concerned for these people, these, these lazy, glutton, evil beasts, creeping people. God loved them. He wanted to see them saved. He didn't send Titus there to put them down. He sent Titus there that they might be saved because he loves people that are in a bad place. 
So you got some people that you know that in your life that are maybe in a bad place. And maybe they've never heard it from you. Maybe they've never heard you share the gospel to them. Um, So I'm challenging you that you would love the Lord, that you would love them enough this week, that you would go and share with them. You've been listening to a transforming word as Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Titus. This book is another letter penned by the Apostle Paul. Titus was a respected friend and fellow worker in the ministry. Paul had even traveled with Titus to the island of Crete at one point. So when Paul wrote this letter to Titus, it was meant to encourage him in the work that was going on. In a similar way as people before him, Paul counseled Titus to set up some others that could be trusted to uphold things that were true and pure about the Word and about Christianity. You see, many people were trying to corrupt the scriptures and were trying to establish false teaching. But Paul was reminding Titus of the things that really mattered and that God's Word needed to be protected. Isn't this how it is today, too? There are all kinds of fronts that come at the church and at God's Word on a daily basis. Being solidly grounded in the Word of God is where your efforts should be so that the truth can be spread. We're happy you have been a part of today's edition of A Transforming Word. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. We believe that life is done better in community, and we'd love to have you be a part of ours. We're located in Inglewood, California, so if you're in the area, we'd love to see you come this Sunday at 9 or 11 in the morning. Or you can join us on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. Find all the information you need at calvaryinglewood.org. Well, we'll be back in Titus next time on A Transforming Word.